Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. We are continuing our look at the NFC South teams as we head into the NFL draft on April 28th in Las Vegas. Today, we are talking the Carolina Panthers with new voice of the Panthers, Anish Roth. Carolina has the sixth overall pick and then not another until round four. They have two picks in round five and then one in each of round six and seven. Let's bring in John DeShazer, my co-host, and Shroff now. Anish, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. We are happy to have you. Welcome to the division. I know you're recently announced as the new play-by-play for the Carolina Panthers radio broadcast. How are you doing today? I'm uh, doing good. We're getting ready for the draft, as you know, busy time of the year. Um, it's uh, nice to be in the NFC South, and, and you seem like friendly people despite being the enemy. <laughs> yes, I don't know what you're going to say about us, you know, in a couple months down the line, but we'll take friendly right now. How excited are you to join the Panthers and be a part of that organization, kind of add that to your resume? It's exciting. I think it's an exciting time for the franchise. I know you know, people want to see them, uh, you know, pile up a few more wins here, but I do think they are building towards something and they've had a strong off season so far. The draft is obviously big coming up, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm a Charlotte resident. I've lived in Charlotte for 10 years. This is the team in my backyard. My daughter has grown up a Panthers fan. So we're keep, you know, it's all about keep pounding. Um, we're on the train, we're on the bandwagon, and uh, we're looking forward to this thing taking off soon. You have quite a resume. You've covered a lot of sports. Um, what has been the favorite thing that you've done up until this point? You know, it's hard to say because you're always just from one event to the next one, and you don't have a lot of time to reflect. But um, I would say probably the most memorable, and this is recency bias at play, we did the Duke's Mayo Bowl which was at Bank of America Stadium where the Panthers play. And to uh, dunk an Oreo cookie into a jar of mayonnaise and then get dunked on by Dion Warwick on Twitter after that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I remember that. That was pretty gross, honestly. It was was tough to watch the amount of mayonnaise that was being eaten by the booth that day. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't, um, you know, the finest maybe culinary moment in television history, but it was certainly memorable. Yeah. All right. Well, let's focus in on the draft here. The Panthers have one first round pick. It's a six overall pick. A lot of people are talking quarterback. What do you think that they're going to do with that selection? Yeah, it kind of feels to use a football analogy. It's it's second and short, second and one in the sense that so much of what the Panthers do will be determined by what happens in the first five picks. So if an Iki Aquanu or an Evan Neal are available at six. It wouldn't surprise me for the Panthers to go that route. You get the left tackle. They've already upgraded the offensive line in the offseason with Corbett and, and, and Bozeman. If one of those guys is available, I could definitely see that being on the table. And that's, you know, you run up the middle, you pick up a first down. You may not be close to scoring territory yet, but you have made progress and you've moved the chains and, you know, you live to fight another day. Play action pass to me would be the trade down of picks. If you trade down and you get another pick in the first round, you know, that's maybe your shot to take, whether it's a quarterback or it's another position. And if you miss, maybe you've now stockpiled a pick in the second or third round, which as of right now you don't have. And then if you take the quarterback at six, that's the high risk, high reward play. That's your gadget play. That's your wide receiver pass. That's your fleet flicker, where if you hit, 
all of a sudden you're, you're in good shape. Uh, you get a quarterback who can be a franchise player. You're now set for the next decade. But if you miss now second and one or second and two looks like third and 12 and you may have set the whole thing back. So uh, to me, those are the three options. And I think depending on who goes in those first five picks and how that shakes out, um, you're probably going to see the Panthers go in one of those three directions. You know, the other one, the wild card here is, and you always wonder this about every team, who's that guy on the draft board that you have that you say, okay, regardless of need, regardless of position, if he falls to us, we have to take him. And so you wonder who that guy is on the Panthers draft board. I think that's the wild card here. Anish, we are friendly, but we are very, very, very <laughs> petty. Very petty. So, you know, just keep that as a reminder. Uh, is there a quarterback worthy at pick six? Because you keep hearing things about, you know, you know, quarterbacks will go in the first round, but, you know, it might be a stretch to, to take one high or, you know, it might be a better placement at, you know, 10, 12 or whatever. Is there a quarterback worthy at six? You know, I think that really depends on the team. Is there a team that sees a quarterback worthy of that sixth pick? The consensus on this draft is it's a weaker quarterback class than we've seen the last few years. But if you're somebody who says, hey, Malik Willis's upside is worth gambling on, and I think he can be a guy you take in the top six. There's some mocks where I've seen the Lions are, are taking Willis as high as two. Kenny Pickett, who is seen as a high floor guy, maybe a lower ceiling guy, but a high floor guy. If you feel he's worthy of being your sixth pick, you take him. Um, as somebody who covers college football, for my money, Matt Corral was the best quarterback that I saw this past season, the Ole Miss quarterback. There are questions as to whether that can translate quickly to the NFL because of the offense that he played in, but we saw that um, with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had the same questions coming out of college. Hey, he played in the Cliff Kingsbury offense. Will that translate to the NFL? I think we all know that answer. So there's a beauty in the eye of the beholder uh, situation, I think, with all the quarterbacks right now. As a guy who is from Charlotte, I don't want to kick dirt all over um, um, Sam Darnold's name, <laughs> as I have already. <laughs> but, you know, is he capable, I guess, of being, a, I don't know if it's stock gap or you know, he seems to believe he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, I know everyone does, but how does Carolina feel about Sam? Well, the Panthers have made it abundantly clear this offseason. Quarterback is a priority, and Sam Darnold was the primary starter last year. So in some way, shape, or form, whether it is through draft or free agency or trade, there's going to be competition for Sam Darnold. Uh, the one thing that I go back to this season and this upcoming season represents a huge pivot point, maybe the defining pivot point in Sam's career. Sam has to show not only to Carolina, but the 31 other teams that he's a starting quarterback. So he's got a bet on himself. I mean, there is a lot riding on Sam Darnold this season. After this season, his career goes one of two ways. Is he a backup or is he a starting quarterback in the NFL? Um, if you look at the history of the Panthers, they've had late bloomers. Steve Berline comes to mind late bloomer. Jake DeLome was a late yeah. bloomer. And so we have seen that. Now, recently, when you look at the NFL and you look at the quarterbacks, most of the guys who are starting have essentially been guys that you thought would be starting quarterbacks in their career. Sam was a high pick. The potential is there. The potential has always been there. But again, he's four years in. He's got to prove it now, not just to Carolina, but to the rest of the NFL as well. Yeah. How much of a quarterback fix is a healthy Christian McCaffrey because when he's right 
he's as good as anyone in the NFL. Unfortunately, he hadn't been right the last couple of years. Well, I mean, look at last year, right? When Christian McCaffrey was healthy, they were 3-0, and and they almost beat Dallas and nearly started the season 4-0. You take him away, you're taking away such a big chunk of the offense. I mean, you can argue he's already the greatest receiving running back this league has ever seen. He's got the top two single season totals for receptions by a running back. He does so much. He, he can run it out of the backfield. He's a safety check down for the quarterback. You can line him up in the slot. He gives defenses so much to focus on. And when he's been healthy, it's a different team. When he was healthy, we saw a different Sam Darnold. And you couple that with a DJ Moore and a Robbie Anderson on the outside. You're hoping uh, Terrace Marshall can take a step as a second-year wide receiver. So he takes the pressure off of everybody. To me, if you get 17 games from Christian McCaffrey, I think the narrative changes. I think the narrative would have been different had we gotten a full season of Christian McCaffrey last year. Defensively, I saw Carolina probably add at its best last year when the Saints went to Charlotte and oh, yeah. Carolina basically, you know, beat them up pretty good. Um, how good do they feel defensively? You know, what pieces are there needed to be added? I think, uh, you know, they're probably looking at where can you maybe find that extra pass rusher? You lost Hassan Reddick to the Eagles. That's not a small loss. You still have Brian Burns, who – has shown what he can be. He was a pro bowler for the first time this past year. You know, can he now become a consistent double-digit stack guy? But he's got an explosive first step. Um, bringing in a Matt Ioannidis to anchor the middle of that defense, I think will be big. I think that'll help Derek Brown a lot. Brown was a high first round pick. Can they get more pass rush uh, from the middle of that defense, the interior uh, they've upgraded the, the linebacking crew, adding a, a Damian Wilson. You know, you've got Shaq Thompson. And I think the back end is going to be really strong. J.C. Horn showed he could be a shutdown corner before getting hurt last year. You're bringing him back. Uh, you brought back Dante Jackson, which I thought was a big free agent signing. Uh, Xavier Woods to pair with Jeremy Chin, who looks like a huge star in this league. They're really strong on the back end. And let's not forget C.J. Henderson, who they traded for last year. Again, a top 10 pick of Jacksonville not long ago. Right now, he's probably your third corner. If he can start to realize some of his potential, to me, they look really good on the back end. Can they get enough of a pass rush? Um, I think will be a question mark. But defensively, a lot of the pieces are in place. Uh, defense wasn't the problem last year, as we saw. I know we've talked a little bit about the possibility of drafting a quarterback, but there's been some rumors out there over the past couple of days about maybe trading for Baker Mayfield. Is there anything to those rumors? What do you think about, about that idea? Well, listen, I, I think this is an off season where if you're a team that has identified quarterback as a position of need, you are going to be linked to every and any available quarterbacks. Now that list has dwindled significantly in the last few weeks, um, I, I don't think anything is off the table. Um, a few weeks ago, it looked like Mayfield would have been a non-starter just from everything that we had heard. But I think as you get closer to the draft, again, there's a lot of smoke screens. There's a lot of things that people want out there for a reason. Um, nothing would surprise me at this point, whether it's a Mayfield, whether it's a, a Jimmy Garoppolo, um, again, whether it's something through the draft, uh, again, Quarterback was identified by the Panthers as an area to address and improve upon. 
And again, so far it's Sam Darnold, PJ Walker still there. So um, they haven't made a move yet. So until they do, I would think everything's on the table. We mentioned offensive line, maybe offensive tackle, edge rush, any other positions you think that the Panthers would be looking at um, in the draft? You know, those are the ones that jump out again, having just one pick in the first three rounds, um, the betting money would say they're going to take a tackle or they're going to take a quarterback and maybe an edge rusher if there's one that they really like. Um, or if they can get some extra picks by trading down, you may address a couple of those needs. But I look at those three as the significant needs. Um, you know, they address the, the running game with Deontay Foreman in free agency. You're banking on a healthy Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. DJ Moore has been one of the more productive wide receivers. I think you look at a bounce back season from Robbie Anderson, consistent quarterback play would certainly help. Um, you know, they've re-signed Ian Thomas um, at the tight end position. So uh, I think those three are probably at the top of the list. And then once you get later in the draft, I think you're probably taking the best player available. All right. Give me a feeling of the pulse of the city there, the Panthers fans. What are what are they feeling right now at this point, you know, heading into the draft, heading into next year? Yeah, you know, I think you start with free agency. I think a lot of people were satisfied and, and, and content and, and happy with what they accomplished in free agency. Getting two quality linemen, uh, they've upgraded that unit considerably. And remember, Brady Christensen showed well the last couple of games playing left tackle last year. So that's still an option where you can have Christensen at left tackle. Um, and again, if you draft a lineman, you can always move him to left guard. And now your line looks potentially even better. Um, but I think this is a fan base. Listen, let's be honest. They are aching to get back to their winning ways. 2015 is further and further in the rearview mirror. Um, the Cam Newton era is likely over. Or if it's not over, I think it's fair to say, you know, the prime Cam Newton is not coming back. So we're moving into this different direction. I think people want to see this, this team, this franchise win again and take off. And more than anything, they want to be shown from this draft that, okay, if it's not going to happen this year, um, give us hope that we are building towards something in the near future. Sure. Well, we really appreciate all the insight. It's good meeting you, albeit via Zoom, but we will see you this fall. And you know, I, I guess good luck. I, I will say that, you know, we're going to be friendly for a little while longer. All right, we'll, we'll be friendly <laughs> until the fall. Thank you, guys. Thanks. You can follow Anish on Twitter at AnishESPN. That's at A-N-I-S-H-E-S-P-N. Friday, we'll talk Bucks and then turn to the Saints next week leading up to the draft on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in. For the New Orleans Saints podcast, I'm Erin Summers. Have a great day.